Praise the Creator Most High, as He is the essence of my totality. I want to talk about black to the Bible. I want to look at the biblical identity and history of those of us of color in Scripture. Come on, Chris. Come on, Chris. You want to turn up a little bit? Come on, Chris. You want to turn up a little bit? You are now. You guys ready to have a good time? There's a word from the Lord in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 10. Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading at the 10th verse. That 10th verse of Genesis 2, these words are recorded. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison. That is it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. There is Bedellium and Onyx Stone, and the name of the second river is Gion. The same is it that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. Today I want to preach about black to the Bible. Look at somebody and tell them he did not say back. I want to talk about black to the Bible. I want to look at the biblical identity and history of those of us of color in scripture. I want to look at the, the biblical presence of blacks in the Bible that we may, might be able to identify our history and our heritage based on the word of God. Now, let me preface this today because this is really a series of sermons that I will be preaching for the next several weeks. And I want to preface this entire series by saying that I do not follow Jesus based on the color of his skin while he walked on earth in the flesh. I do not follow Jesus based on color. I follow him based on the cross. I follow Jesus because I was lost and he found me. I follow Jesus because I was a sinner and he saved me. I follow Jesus because I was on my way to hell with no God on my side, no heaven in my view, too mean to live and wasn't ready to die. And Jesus, through his grace and my faith, he delivered me. He, he made me a Christian and put me in right relationship with the Father. That's why I follow Jesus. I would never try to limit Jesus to any culture or try to limit God to any color or limit God to any class or anything. God is bigger than that. I would never try to put those kind of handcuffs on God. When people talk about the authentic religion for the black man, I don't need a God that can only deal with black people. I don't need a black God for black people and a white God for white people, a red God for red people and a yellow God for you. I need a God that can handle everybody. I need a God that uh, red, yellow, black, brown, or white, we're all precious in his sight. I need a God who is universal, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We do not follow after God in the flesh. God is a spirit. And those of us who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And, and in saying that, and in light of that, I still feel the need for dealing with the black presence in the Bible and the biblical history and heritage of those of us of African descent as it is explained in scripture. For the sole reason of preaching the truth, I want the truth to go out there. 
So every time somebody says to me, well, this kind of stuff is not important. When did truth not become important? Y'all, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And I say that because those of us who are present who are not of, of African descent, you don't have to visit somebody else's church for three or four weeks and then come on back because truth sets you free too. This is not just truth for the black man or truth for the black woman. This is truth for everybody and it, it delivers us, it sets us free. And I have to preach this kind of truth because there are so many lies that are circulating. There's so many people who are prolonging and perpetuating lies in terms of uh, blacks in the Bible and our contribution and significance in scripture. And many of those lies are coming from the Islamic faith. And uh, many in the Islamic faith will tell us that uh, blacks were first introduced to the Judeo-Christian tradition during the time of slavery so that slaves would be more docile and more passive. Y'all, that is a lie in this sense. I do understand that during the time of slavery that white slave owners did misuse and abuse the scripture. They used scripture wrongly out of context to make slaves more passive. I understand that. But it's a lie in the sense that it was not our first introduction to Judeo-Christian tradition. When you start in the time of slavery, you miss out on thousands of years of significant and important and contributions from those of us of African descent as explained in the word of God. And other lies come from the Islamic faith uh, in terms of why we're Christians and, and that kind of thing, talking about Christianity as a white man's religion and uh, the Bible is a white man's book written by the white man for the white man and to the white man. All of us have heard that. That is a lie. Out of 66 books in the Bible, there's only one white writer. Only one. All the other writers are either Hebrew or Hermetic. They are either of Hebrew descent or Hermetic descent, of African descent. And, and those are the most of the writers in scripture. Luke is the only white writer. His name means fair or bright. He's the only one. And many of us have been listening to these lies and missing out on the word of God. I heard one Muslim try. I guess he's trying to win me over to the faith. I guess he don't know my mind is made up. I'm on my way up going on with the Lord. And ain't, ain't nothing can change my mind. I'm, I'm sticking with Jesus. And, but he was trying to tell me, how dare you? How can you be a Christian? And Christians held black people in slavery. How can you be a Christian? And Christianity had black African slaves. And, and I understand the, the West African slave trade on how Europeans went over into Africa and brought back West Africans in slavery in America. I know that. Most of us are descendants, but most of us who live in America are descendants of West Africans. But y'all, 200 years prior to West African slave trade, there was the North African slave trade. And that's when the Muslims were holding black Africans in slavery. That's long before the white Christians went over there and did it. Now, if you expect me to give up on Christianity because they held slaves, then you need to give up on the Islamic faith because they held slaves too. It's a matter of truth. Truth sets us free. And so what I want to do is I got to get this truth out here. Especially in terms of our, our young people, the young African-American males and young African-American females, they got to get this. Too many of us are confused with no direction. 
if you don't know where you come from, you certainly don't know where you're going. So we got to help them to understand history in order to determine destiny. And until our young people get this in their spirit and get it in their mind and in their heart, they will always walk around confused about purpose and end up in perversion. Once they know who they are, they start walking like who they are, talking like who they are, and acting like who they are. But until then, they'll act like fools. Are y'all following me? Uh, my son, who goes to a predominantly white school, and, and, um, and I, every day I ask him, what y'all talk about today? What's going on today? What y'all deal with in school? And one day he came home and said, well, we're dealing with settlers and, and the start of America and slave trade. And I said, wait, 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 y'all talking about slavery? He said, yes, sir. I said, well, here's what's going to happen in your class, Jay. I said, when you go to class, when your teacher's talking about slavery, they're going to start with those of African descent as slaves in America. That's where they're going to start with you, as a slave in America. And then your white friends at school, they're going to start with them as kings and queens in Europe. They start with them on a positive note as kings and queens in Europe. They're going to start with you on a negative note as slaves in America. Now what I want you to do is raise your hand high until your teacher calls on you and ask them what were the black Africans before they came to America. And your teacher's going to have to say that they were kings and queens in Africa. See, I want my son to know that you are the descendant of kings and queens. That makes you a prince. So walk like you a prince. Look folks straight in the eye like you a prince. Relate to people like you a prince. You ain't got to trip on nobody else because you a prince. Even if they don't know who they are, you ought to know who you are. Help me somebody. And it's when we get this in them, the truth will set them free. So let's go black to the beginning and black to the Bible in the book of Genesis chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 10. This is a partial description of the Garden of Eden. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from thence it was parted and became into four rivers. The name of the first is Pisan. That is it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah. Now leave your finger right there. We see it's passing through the land of Havilah. Go to Genesis chapter 10 while you hold your space in two. Go to Genesis 10. I want you to know who Havilah is. In Genesis 10 verse 1. This is at the reconstruction. This is after the flood. You see Noah and his three sons. Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Now, those of us who have African descent, we are descendants of Ham, the darker son of Noah. We are all descendants of Ham, us Native Americans, Eskimos, and that kind of thing. Those of you who are here and you are Caucasian, you are descendants of Japheth. Now, notice, we're descendants of Ham. You are descendants of Japheth, but we all had the same father. Now, that makes all of us brothers and sisters in creation. Are y'all following me? Now come on down here to verse 6. And the sons of Ham, that's, we are children of Ham, we're descendants of Ham. The sons of Ham, he had four sons. Cush, which is Ethiopia. Cush means black. Cush is Ethiopia. Mesram, that later became the nation Egypt. Put became Libya, and now Canaan. Those were his four sons. Look in verse 7. The sons of Ethiopia are Seba and Havilah. Wait a minute. Havilah is the son of Ethiopia. He's the son of Cush. Cush is black. That makes Havilah what? Black. Y'all learning. Now come on back to chapter 2. In chapter 2, verse 11, there is a land that is named after Cush's son. The land is named Havilah. 
That's where the first river mentioned in scripture is flowing through. Black Africa. Now look in verse 13. The name of the second river is Guyon. The same as it that can pass through the whole land of what? Ethiopia. Everybody knows Ethiopia is black. The first two rivers mentioned in the Bible flow through black Africa, which now squashes the lie that we first got introduced to the Judeo-Christian tradition in slavery in America. No, we didn't. We first got introduced to the Judeo-Christian tradition in the book of Genesis, in the book of beginnings, when it was flowing through black Africa. And once we understand, I mean, even Langston Hughes picked up on that. Langston Hughes wrote a poem called The Negro Speaks of Rivers. He said, I've known rivers. I've known rivers ancient as the world and older than the flow of blood through human veins. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. I bathed in the Euphrates when the dawns were still young. I built my hut near the Congo and it lulled me to sleep. I looked upon the Nile and raised pyramids above it. I heard the singing of the Mississippi when Abe Lincoln went down to New Orleans. And I've seen his muddy bosom turn all golden in the sunset. I've known rivers, ancient dusky rivers, and my soul has grown deep like the rivers. Langston Hughes is speaking of the Negro and how the fact we were here from the beginning when the Euphrates that is mentioned in Genesis chapter 2 verse 14, when it was flowing, a Negro was bathing in it. He talks about the Nile River, which is the longest river in the world that flows through Egypt. Y'all, Egypt is still in Africa. Don't let the Ten Commandments on TV fool you. It was populated with black African people. And he said that there we raised, the Negro is the one that raised the pyramids above the Nile River. Y'all, we've been around a long time. And he says that our souls have grown deep like rivers. I love that. I ain't just about the color of my skin. There's a soul factor in me. And I am deep like a, there's something deep about a Negro. There's some death to a Negro. Don't just judge me based on the color of my skin and prejudge me based on some messed up concept. I run deep like a river. Watch how a river runs. When a river sets its course, whatever a direction it goes, it never changes. Rivers do not change its flow because something gets in its way. Whatever gets in its way, it just flows right on over it and right on through it. Y'all, the Negro is like a river. Nothing can stop our flow. Slavery couldn't stop us. Middle Passage could not stop us. Jim Crow laws could not stop us. Do I have a witness in here? Y'all, when they tried to make us go to the back door of everything, it did not stop us. KKK could not stop us. Lynchings and beatings could not stop us. Redistricting us to try to win a vote can't stop us. Redlining our, redlining our communities will not stop us. Can't nothing stop a Negro because God is with us. Do I have a witness in this place? We are like rivers. And this stuff is taking place, y'all, in the book of Genesis. It's talking about the Garden of Eden. It's mentioned in Ethiopia, Kavila, Black Africa. That's where all of human life started, in Black Africa. Even to this day, they're doing um, DNA testing and testing genes. And that's why some of y'all ain't in jail right now, because DNA testing. 
But when they trace genes and do this DNA study, it's not just to keep folk in jail and other folk out of jail. That ain't, that ain't all it's doing. They trace these geneticists, scientists, and anthropologists trace genes back to the beginning of humanity. And these are not preachers, these are scientists who say that the beginning of life had to have started in Ethiopia, in black Africa. And they say, based on these genetic studies, that the mother of all humanity had to have been a black African woman. Right now, the, the current oldest remains that they have in terms of humanity, the current oldest remains that they have come from Ethiopia. Now, I ain't shocked by none of this. I mean, the geneticists are just now catching up with the Bible. This has always been in the Bible, y'all. Scientists are just now catching up with what God is saying. And some of us are so messed up that when we see it for ourselves, we don't understand it. We need somebody white to tell it to us. Because we think somehow if somebody black saying it, something wrong with it. But y'all, the scientists now, in Newsweek magazine, Newsweek magazine, January 11th, 1988, they did a proposed picture of Adam and Eve based on this DNA study. They did a proposed picture of Adam and Eve, and they put a black man and a black woman on the front cover of Newsweek magazine. Now, didn't no preacher do that. Preachers ain't got nothing to do with Newsweek magazine. These are geneticists that came up with this study because they understand that black people were the original humans. I'm not surprised by that. The Bible says that God created Adam from dirt. Y'all ain't never seen no white dirt. Right? And he's created from dirt from Ethiopia. Some of the darkest dirt in the world is in Ethiopia. And that's where God made him from. Watch this. Because we call him a human. He's the original human. Hue means color. We know what man is. He is a man of color. Y'all, Adam and Eve were black. My son came to my office, he goes to Jewel Christian Academy, and somebody gave him this, this it's called a children's Bible, it ain't no real Bible, it's got Bible stories in it. And he runs into my office, he's all happy, and says, Daddy, uh, look at this. And I look at it, it's got white Adam, white Eve, white Noah, white Dave, white everybody. And I said, son, what is this? That's my Bible, Daddy. I said, no, it ain't. I took it from him. Then I ran the Jewel Christian Bible bookstore and got him a Bible with all black people in it, and gave it to him and said, now here's your Bible. Y'all, there is an anthropological truth. Stop saying it don't matter. When did truth not matter? Y'all, if it's in the Word, why would God put something in the Bible that don't matter? It does matter. And when we understand, watch this, when God made humanity, He did not make different races. He made one race. That's the human race. So that through one blood, God made all nations. We are brothers and sisters in creation. It's just that we were the original human. That's why white people call themselves humankind. They were not the original humans. They were a kind of human. Y'all ain't kidding this today. It's, it's understanding the truth that sets us free. Now, the reason why we're able to go to the Bible and just pull out all these contributions, this is all introduction for the next several weeks, but we're able to just go through put all these black contributions, all these black people, all the black nations, the black language, and we just pull it right out of the Bible. Frank Snowden says that there was no such thing as racism based on color in Bible days. 
Y'all, in Bible days, they wouldn't tripping because somebody was black or light or white or fair or yellow or whatever. When there was no racism based on color back then. That's why we can go straight to the words, see all these black contributions. Racism based on color did not flourish until the 17th century. It existed, but it didn't flourish until the 17th century, where people start becoming prejudiced based on the color of your skin. And dogs, yeah, cause the color of your skin, calling you cursed because you were dark and all that. That's 17th century stuff. That, that's, that's what we call the, uh, the period of enlightenment. I don't like calling it the period of enlightenment. How can the white man's enlightenment be the black man's nightmare? But that's when racism began to flourish. And, and that's where they started perpetuating this lie that anything that is dark or black is wrong and bad and messed up. Some of us still think that right now because it's been perpetuated through time that if something is dark or black, something wrong with it. That's why some of us, when we look in the mirror, we don't like what we see because we see dark. And then you don't like me because I look like you. And if I open a store, you won't come to my store because something must be wrong because a dark man is running. Are y'all following me? This is the mindset that many people to this day, both black and white, are perpetuating this kind of mindset. They do it even in terms of the media. I was at my uncle's house and we were watching the news, Channel 8 News, a local news station. And, and they said, when we come back from our commercial break, we're going to do a story on the welfare system. I told my uncle, when they come back, they're going to show a whole bunch of black people because they're going to do a story on welfare. And, uh, and I told my uncle, I said, now, we all know there are more white people on welfare than blacks. And he said to me, well, that's because there are more white people in, in, in America. I said, I understand that. Can they find one for the story? That's all I... So they came back on Negroes everywhere. Come on, somebody. It's, it perpetuates a mentality, prolongs a mentality that that which is dark and black has to be negative. It shows up in the movies. When I was a kid, I loved Westerns, still like Westerns. And, and whoever was in the Westerns, and we didn't play in the Westerns. Though, there, of course, there were African-American cowboys, but we didn't play in the movies. But whoever was in the movie, the good people, the good person, the hero would have on a white hat, and the bad guy have on a black hat. That's just the way it was, because it's black. It's got to be negative. It's got to be bad. It's got to be wrong. And y'all, it's not only happening like that in the media and in the movies. I mean, even today, most of the movies that our people play in, they play the pimps, the prostitutes, the gangbangers, the jail, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because it, it, this mentality that if it's dark, it's wrong. And this stuff has even come to our churches. And, um, and we just keep this thought process going on. A friend of mine was a student at a predominantly white Christian university in southern Indiana. And, um, and as he was going there, he's a, a, a brother like, you know, black man like myself. And he called me one day and said, Jay, I got this wonderful book on evangelism to help win kids to Christ. And he knows I got a heart for soul winning and, and witnessing. I said, well, man, share it with me. What is it about? He said, it's a book that has no words and no pictures, only colors. I said, man, what kind of book is that? No words, no pictures, just colors? He said, and you can use it to win kids to the kingdom of God. I said, well, how does it work? He said, well, the first page, no words, no pictures, just colors. The first page is a white page. And he said that that represents God because God is pure. The next page is a light blue page. This is the love of God. No matter what we've done, God still loves us. The next page was a black page. This is humanity, how sinful and ungodly we are and messed up and unrighteous. The next page was a red page. This is the blood of Jesus that washes away our sin. I said, wait a minute. 
I said, I'm trying to understand something. First page is what? White. I said, now that's purity in God? Yeah. What's the next page? Light blue. I said, now that stands for love? Yes. I said, the next page, what is that? Black. I said, why is the black page the sin page? Why is that the unrighteous page? He said, Jay, no, you understand. You can use any color for any one of these things to be represented. I said, then why is it your predominantly white Christian institution is using black for the sin? How come you ain't using black for God or black for love? Or, or, or black for the blood. Why is it white for the sin? Or white? You understand what I'm saying? Why is it that the black always has to be negative? That's the mindset that we all grew up in in this country. That if it's white, is right. If it's black, get back. All right, y'all, y'all not follow me. Black sheep of the family. Everybody in my family black. Black male. Black list. If you're on a black list, they're going to put you in a black book. Black market. Black Monday. Dark horse. There's a dark horse. Why I got to be a dark horse if it's a long shot for winning? Are y'all following me? Uh, angel food cake is white. Devil's food cake. That's... And we live with this messed up mentality and we perpetuate that thing because many of us don't understand the truth and the power that comes with blackness. Y'all, don't y'all know that black Africans brought to us culture, science, religion, civilization, medicine, brought to us mathematics, brought to us the alphabet. I told my son, you should not flunk English. Black people came up with the alphabet. You should not flunk mathematics. We started math. You should get an A in biology. We started medicine. And we don't understand the positive aspects of being black. Black as a color has the ability to attract to it all rays of color and light. Black is an absorber of both light and cosmic radiation. Y'all, African Egyptians used to put, put black capstones on the top of their pyramids because of the inherent power in the color black. Black is a source of power and influence. Solar energy cells are black. Dry cell batteries are powder powered by black chemicals. Judges wear black robes. Priests and nuns wear black robes. Graduating students wear black caps and gowns. Limousine services with its chauffeur-driven limousines are often black limousines. Are y'all following me? There's power in blackness. When somebody comes to a funeral, at the funeral, the family of the deceased usually is wearing black. Not because black represents death, but because black represents influence and power. And they put the black on to have the power to deal with the difficulty they are facing. Y'all, black does not represent death. In all actuality, white represents death. White denotes death. When somebody is mourning, they would put white ash on their heads. That if somebody dies in the fire and they're burned, all that is left is white ash. Uh, in a military funeral, there will be a riderless white horse because white represents the dead soldier. On Mother's Day, millions of people will wear a white rose that represents their dead parent. Why do we call winter the dead of winter? 
is the dead of winter. That's because of the blanket of white. The, the earth is, is blanketed with white. And nothing is living in the winter. Everything is dying. Nothing is growing until the spring when the white snow melts and then the growth comes up out of the black ground. Y'all, white represents death. In the book of Revelation, it says that death is going to come riding on a pale white horse. Y'all, black represents power and influence. Do I have a witness in this place? And once we understand that, we start walking in the truth of God's word. Now, 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 people, right now, somebody right now, you don't like the way you look because of the color of your skin. Look in the mirror, don't like it because it's, it's dark. All your life you've been hearing, you're too dark, you're too dark, you're too dark. And even when I preach this, somebody going to tell me, you're too black. You preach too black. I heard that before. You preach too black. We're the only people who tell each other we are too much of what we are. You don't hear no Japanese saying to another Japanese, you too Japanese. You don't hear no Hispanic saying to another Hispanic, you too Hispanic. Or a white person saying to another white person, you too white. Only when it comes to us do we have an issue of being too much of what we are. Y'all, this is what I am. Do I have a witness in this place? And y'all, when it comes to blackness and darkness, I just want you to know the beauty of it. In Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 5, it talks about an African woman. And it gives a description of this African woman in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 5. It says, it says she's black and beautiful. That's both at the same time. Sister girl was dark and lovely. In Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 10, it speaks of King Solomon. And in Song of Solomon 5 and 10, it says about King Solomon that he is dark and dazzling. Y'all, you can be tall, dark, and handsome. Look at me. You can be black and beautiful at the same time. Look at yourself. And everybody knows that the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice. Do I have a witness in this place? Y'all, now, Song of Solomon 5 and 10, King Solomon is black. Now, if he's black, that would make his mother or father or both black. Who's the mother and father? of King Solomon, the dark and dazzling king. Who's his mom and daddy? Well, King David, the man after God's own heart, wrote most of the Psalms in the Bible. That's King Solomon's father. His mama is Bathsheba. Now, I don't have any problem accepting the fact King David was a black man. Wait a minute, Pastor. He was, he, he was a Hebrew man. He was of Hebrew descent. That's on his father's side. Y'all, the Hebrew people will hook up with African people and get married and have babies. If you trace the lineage of King David, it's going to lead you to a woman by the name of Rahab. Rahab is that woman that when Israel first went over into Canaan, that she's the one that hid them and all that. Remember that? So that they could be saved, those spies went over. Rahab was a Canaanite woman. Canaan, which, by which the nation was named, Canaan is the son of Ham. Ham.
Ham is the darkest son of Noah, which we are descendants. The Canaanites were a black people. Rahab is black. That is the great-great-grandmother of King David. And his great-grandmother was Ruth. Any Bible student know Ruth was a black woman. Now, if your great-grandmama black and your grandmama black, help me somebody. David was a black man. Not only was he black, but Bathsheba. Yo, you can tell what black is in scripture just by the names. Cush, that's black. Cushy, that's black. Niger, that is black. Ethiopia, that's black. Sheba is one of the descendants of Ham. Sheba, that's, that's, even when we talk about the queen of Sheba, we know she's black. Our homegirl, Vivica Fox, played queen of Sheba in a movie. Everybody knows queen of Sheba was a black sister because she was queen of Sheba. Now, David's wife's name was Beth Sheba. She's a sister, y'all. David was up on his rooftop chilling, didn't go to work. And he was just chilling one day, saw a fine sister down there bathing, and said, who is that chocolate drop over there bathing in that water? She's a fine black sister and hooked up with her. They had a son named Solomon. He was dark and dazzling. Y'all, that's a positive thing. Now, I want y'all to understand that while I'm preaching this, this is not a put down of whites. For me to talk positive about black people doesn't mean I'm speaking negatively about anybody else. To encourage one culture is not a put down of another culture. And y'all, I don't have any problem with white people being in the Bible. I thank God they in there. And white people are in there. I ain't trying to keep them out. I don't believe in reverse racism. I don't believe that we need to treat white people bad because they treated us bad. I don't, need, we, I don't think we need to pay them back for 225 years of oppression. I ain't with none of that. I don't believe in hating people because they hate me. I'm like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I ain't gonna never allow you to let me stoop so low to hate you because you hate me. Now, I can't change what you think of me, but I can change what I think of you. I can control what I... Y'all, white people are in the Bible. I don't have any problem with that. In Acts chapter 16, there's a woman by the name of Lydia. She is the first European woman in scripture to accept Jesus Christ as her personal savior. She's a white woman. She's in there. No problem with that. In Acts chapter 10, there's a man by the name of Cornelius, and he gives his life to Jesus Christ and then wins his family and friends over to the Lord. Y'all, Cornelius was an Italian man. The Italians are in here. In Romans chapter 15, Paul writes to the church at Rome and says, I want to come and see you. I'm coming to visit you, but I got to stop by Spain first. And I want y'all to give me some money so that I can serve and win Christians in Spain. The Hispanics are in here. I don't have a problem with them being, just don't take me out of here. That's all I'm saying. And today all I'm trying to do is to give you an introduction, to introduce you to this series so that we can know the biblical history of blacks in the Bible. I'm going to spend the next few weeks, I'm going to stay with it till I finish with it, all right? I don't know how long I'm going to be. But I want y'all to understand, we are in here. Let me give you three or four people to close out today just so you know we're in here. In, in Jeremiah chapter 38, there is a man by the name of Ebedmelech the Ethiopian. That's what they called him, Jeremiah 38. Ebedmelech the Ethiopian. He's from black Africa. And Jeremiah was thrown into a pit for preaching the gospel. And when he was thrown into a pit, Ebedmelech, the Ethiopian, went to the king because he worked as an official in the king's palace and said, King, a great injustice has been done to Jeremiah. 
and he's dying right now in a pit and you need to do something about it. And the king listened to the word of a black man and gave him 30 men to go and pull Jeremiah out of that pit. And later on, God said that I'm when I destroy this city, I'm going to take care of Ebed-Melech from Ethiopia because we are in this Bible. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1, it speaks of the leadership in the church at Antioch. The church at Antioch was the first place where, where believers were first called the Christians. And it speaks of their leadership in Acts 13 and 1. And it mentions a man by the name of Simeon. Matter of fact, it says Simeon called Niger. Niger means black. He was called Simeon the black man. Not in a negative way because racism didn't exist in terms of color at that time. He was called Simeon the black man because of the color of his skin. Lucius of Sereni is also mentioned in that leadership structure. Sereni is a part of black Africa. Here are two black men in the early church who were not token blacks at a white church, but they were in the leadership structure. And from that church, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas went out on their first missionary journey. And, and these two black men laid their hands on the Apostle Paul and ordained him to share the gospel across the world. Let me give you another one. In Acts chapter 8, there's a man in there who is an official from Ethiopia. He is an ambassador from Ethiopia. He's the minister of finance for Queen Kandika of Ethiopia, who was the, the ancient Nubian queen of Ethiopia at that time. When we name our little girls Candace, that's where we get that name from, from Queen Kandika, the Nubian, ancient Nubian queen. The man in Acts 8, he is a ambassador from Ethiopia in Jerusalem, the minister of finance. The Bible says he was in a chariot and he was reading Isaiah chapter 53. It says he was writing and reading. Wait a minute. He's writing and reading at the same time, which means bruh man was chauffeur driven. And don't be surprised, he is the minister of finance for all of Ethiopia. And as he is chauffeur driven, he's reading Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He's like a root out of dry ground. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. He's led as a sheep to the slaughter. And he did not say a mumbling word. And as he's reading that, Deacon Philip runs up on him and asks the Ethiopian, Do you understand what you're reading? And the black man said, How can I understand this unless somebody teaches me? Y'all, that is the job of every believer is to pull men and women to the side. How are they going to know the word if we don't teach them the word? And the, and the black man said to Deacon Philip, is this prophet talking about himself or somebody else? And Deacon Philip said, he ain't talking about himself. Let me tell you who he's talking about. He's talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the Ethiopian accepted Jesus as his personal savior, went back to Ethiopia, shared the gospel. Ethiopia became a Christian, a Christian country. And when so many of the African nations were being forced to be Muslims for political and economical reason, Ethiopia said, we're going to stick with Jesus the Christ. When he got saved, the Bible 
gospel says Deacon Philip, after leading him to Christ, he says to Deacon Philip, what hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, ain't nothing getting in the way of you being baptized. They stopped the chariot at a body of water, and Philip baptizes the Ethiopian official, and the Bible says the Ethiopian got caught up. What that means was he started shouting. Y'all, black folk been shouting a long time based on the goodness of Jesus Christ in their life. Do I have a witness here? Let me go on and close. Let me close with this last one. This is all introduction for the coming weeks. Let me close with this one. Matthew 27, verse 32. Jesus has already been marched from judgment hall to judgment hall. He's already been whipped and beaten. They took those leather straps and put glass and metal at the end of it. And they whipped my Jesus all night. And as they whipped him, they pulled flesh from his body. He was already weak and already bloody as he was carrying his own cross up Calvary's hill in Matthew 27. As he was going up the incline of Golgotha Hill, carrying his own cross after being bloodied and beaten, the weight of the cross became too heavy for his humanity. And Jesus, his knees would buckle under the weight of that cross as he tried to get up the hill. The white Roman soldiers were not going to carry his own cross. That was just a part of their punishment. You had to carry your own cross. The Hebrew people, the Jews, were not going to carry the cross. They believed the cross was a cross of being cursed, so they wouldn't even touch the cross. Who's going to help Jesus buckling under the weight of this heavy cross get to the top of that hill? Because, y'all, if he don't get to the top of that hill, you ain't going to be saved, and I'm not going to be saved. He's got to die on the cross. And so they looked in the crowd to see who would help Jesus. And there was a man by the name of Simon from Serene. That's what Matthew 27 and 32 says. Simon from, from Serene. Serene is a part of black Africa. Y'all, it was a black African man that helped Jesus carry his cross up that hill. So the next time somebody starts saying, we met Jesus in slavery in America. Point them back to Calvary's hill. You can't get no closer to Christianity than Calvary's cross. Do I have a witness in here? They got their cross on top of that hill and those Roman soldiers then laid Jesus on top of the cross. And they took nails and they nailed those nails into the hands of my Jesus. And then they took those spikes and they put the spikes in Jesus' feet and they nailed those nails into Jesus' feet and nailed him to the cross. Those Roman soldiers then grabbed that rope and they began to raise that cross. Seems like I can hear a voice of an angel saying, you getting ready to mess up now. I know you nailed his hands, but I dare you to lift him up. You put a spirit aside, but I dare you to lift him up. You marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall, but you getting ready to mess up because Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw not black men, not white men, not red men, but I'm a draw all. Hey, won't he draw all men unto him? Do I have a witness in here? African men and Caucasian men, Hispanic men and Asian men, learned men and unlearned men, educated people and uneducated people, broke folk and rich folk. How many of you know whosoever? shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Won't somebody, 
help me lift Jesus. He said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw men unto me. Won't somebody help me lift Jesus? Do I have a witness? Somebody shout yes. Jesus, I pray that you'll move in this place right now. Allow your word to go forth and fall on good ground. Lord, allow somebody to understand it doesn't matter what color you are. That you're the God for all color. You're the God for all classes. You're the God for all culture. That all they have to do, Lord, make it happen. Make it happen. All they have to do and make it happen, Jesus, is to call upon your name by faith. Make it happen right now, dear God. Remove every barrier that will keep them from being right with you. Remove every every mindset, every attitude that will keep them from coming forth. I'm believing it done right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated if you can. Keep it right to the, to the left. Don't get left. Take, it back. Take it back, baby. Back and get praise your praise on. Oh. Oh. Keep it right to the left. Don't get left. Take it back, baby. Back and get your praise on. Keep it right to the left. Don't get left. Take it back, baby. Back and get your praise on. Keep it right. Keep it right to the left. Don't get left. Take it back, baby. Back and get your praise on. We are electrified. Your name gives us power. You are our energizer. Hour after hour. We're saved by your grace. Grace. Through you, we're born again. We live to seek your face. When we dance, we're dancing. Oh, oh, we're dancing for you. We're dancing. Oh, oh, when we celebrate. Come on, Christian. Oh, oh, we celebrate you. Thank you, Jesus. To the right, keep it right. To the left. Take it back, baby, back and get your praise on. To the right, keep it right. To the left, don't get left. Take it back, baby, back and get your praise on. Let them up, let them up. To the left, let the Savior up. Let them up, let them up. Let the Savior up. Let them up, let them up. Let the Savior up. Let them up, let them up. Baby, back and get your brain. 
a song you can praise to. Do a holy hustle too. He's on your side, even if you backslide. Calling all believers, electrified by Jesus. To the right, keep it right. To the left, don't get left. Take it back, baby, back and get your praise on. To the right, keep it right. To the left, don't get left. Take it back, baby, back and get your praise on. To the right, keep it right. To the left, don't get left. Take it back, baby, back and get your praise on. To the right, keep it right. To the left, don't get left. Take it back, baby, back and get your praise on. To the right, keep it right. To the left, don't get left. Take it back, baby, back and get your praise on. To the right, keep it right. To the left, don't get left. Take it back, baby, back and get your praise on. Lift the Savior up. Lift the Savior up. Lift the Savior May the Lord add a blessing. Lift the Savior May the Lord add a blessing. Lift the Savior up. Lift the Savior up. Don't get left, take it back, baby, back and get your praise on. Electrified by Jesus.